Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. My name is Joe, aka Joe the Wellness Curator, and this is the Obsidian Mindset Podcast, where we are redefining what wellness means to you. This is episode eight, My Curiosity. So let's just jump right into it with our quotes and affirmations. So, as you know, I like to start each day off right, personally, with a meditation and a quote or affirmation. Uh, like I stated before, this is just a way to set the vibe, you know. Um, to me, usually the way I start the day is the way that things will manifest. So if I start the day with a good quote, a good affirmation, I'll either need to use that quote to either get me right during the day or it's just a, something that will come up over and over again. Um, and it's just that's that is in essence what manifesting is. So today's affirmation is creativity flows through each cell in my body one more time creativity flows through each cell in my body so let's use this time to really breathe in breathe out just continue breathing in and out just be present for a second stay with me for 30 seconds i know you have the option to fast forward this or turn this off but give yourself 30 seconds to be here and be present this is for you so breathe in for four breathe out for four relax unclench your jaw plant and ground your feet i want you to feel grounded wherever you are in your seat have your spine upright but not too rigid continue to inhale for four exhale for four Really be with your breath. And I want you to think about when was the last time you were creative? Continue breathing in and breathing out. And what does creativity even mean to you? Is it photography or cooking? Is it reading or writing? Is it getting more involved with your culture or learning about another? Before we figure out what, when's the last time you were creative, we must actually think about what creativity means to you. So continue to breathe, follow your breath, relax, respect your breathing. Really think about what the affirmation is saying. Creativity flow through each cell of my body. It is meant to be ingested and shared. Now think of the different areas of your life, whether it's family and love and dating, work, business, home, wellness in general. In what areas may you express creativity today? Where have you been yearning to learn or create something that's more than outside of your work? When was the last time that you gave yourself permission to create and to enjoy it? No deadlines, no guidelines no price tag something for you to enjoy to create to manifest breathe in for four breathe out for four once again creativity flows through each cell in my body breathe in for four breathe out for four creativity flows through each cell of my body see it be with it. Feel it. 
time. Inhale for four. And exhale for four. All right. And thank you for staying with me. I appreciate you guys for doing this every time. Now that we're grounded, we're going to talk about the next dimension of wellness, which is intellectual wellness. So what do I mean by that? Intellectual wellness encourages us to engage in creativity and mentally stimulating activities. These activities should expand your knowledge and skills while allowing you to share your knowledge and skills with other people, right? This dimension can be developed through academics, cultural involvement, community involvement, and personal hobbies. As it develops, you are able to develop personal resources that work together with other realms of wellness in order to achieve a more balanced life. Hello, that's what Obsidian, that's what we're trying to do out here. At the name, as the name suggests, intelligence is highlighted in this wellness. However, intel intelligence, however, can be measured in a variety of ways. One of which is creativity. I think similar to what we've been talking about in this whole premise of this podcast is we get to redefine what intelligence means and what intellect means. Um, because I think there is a stereotype or there's a connotation of what intelligence looks like. Uh, and I think this is a perfect area for us to break down that notion and really get in touch with the different forms of intelligence, the different forms of intellectual, the different forms of creativity. So, you know, although I do enjoy working out and fitness and hitting the gym, intellectual wellness is one of my favorites to discuss and really to uh, experiment and to hone into. Not because it gives way to the assumption that I'm smart, although, you know, as my mom would say, I am quick as a whip but because of what intelligence and or creativity can create and bring, right? It can create solutions and change. It can create impact. It can end poverty. It can bring and spread joy. To me, intellectual wellness is breeding curiosity and exploration. And this is what I love. I, it's just brainstorming and problem solving. And it allows us to be diverse in our thinking to get it done. It allows you to learn and explore and to teach whether that's reading or watching YouTube videos or TikToks or even a podcast like this one. As I have discussed in previous, episode, in previous episodes, I'm a math head. I speak the language of numbers. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't like reading or English class that much. I went through most of my schooling, including college, not enjoy reading at all. After taking the CPA and finishing studying, I had a bit more time on my hands. So I was like, let me just decide if I can get back into this reading thing. Let me give it one more try for fun. Um, and I remember reading a bunch of young adult books because let's be real, let's be honest. I think that young adult books, they are YA books, else another name for them. They're just so good at teaching a story or, or doing good storyline with such a short period of pages or a short period of time and getting to the point of a morale or a plot. Uh, I remember rereading Harry Potter, the Hunger Games, reading and rereading all five books of the A Song of Ice and Fire by George R. R. Martin. Yes, I, too, am waiting patiently for the final two books, especially after that subpar HBO finale. But my cautious optimism is starting to turn for the worse, and he's getting on my nerves. But, you know, I'm just going to give him patience. I'm going to give him grace. But he needs to give me those two books ASAP. Um, but I did notice that my reading could – it was a form of escape, right? These, my, there was a – especially <laughs> – especially as someone that had an hour, an hour and a half commute one way from Queens to Brooklyn for work, I had plenty of time to get reading done. Um, so, you know, I, that, was a, that was a part of the journey, right? 
And then 2016 hit me hard, and my reading kind of shifted from there. So 2016 was the year that Philando Castile and Alton Sterling were killed by police within 48 hours of each other. Um, and this was also the year that I co-founded the affinity group of black employees at my job shortly after. And this was also the year that 45 was elected as president. I know we don't like to talk about it, but, you know, it did change its trajectory. Um, I had a lot of questions about me, about my people, about this country, about what was going on. And like, how did this happen? Right. There were so many facts and there was so many things looking at us. And how did this happen? What is this? There was a lot of this to think about, but it just kept going back to like, how did this happen? And how do, how did we not see this coming? So I felt like I spent a lot. I spent so much time um, either working at school or at work or my wellness or studying that I never had. I never got the tools and the education of my own blackness besides skimming a few chapters of MLK Jr., Rosa Parks and, and Malcolm X. Um, and, you know, it's very interesting to talk to people that are Caribbean, but being born to Jamaican parents, the connection of being Jamaican and being black was never explicitly linked, at least for me. Um, it was it was it was it was always an interesting conversation of identity um, coming from a black immigrant household. Uh, so this is kind of where my curiosity got the best of me. So I dove into books. Um, and, you know, in this space of curiosity, that's where I started. That's where I found the book, The Warmth of the Other Suns by Isabella Wilkerson. So let me just tell you that she is such an amazing writer, such a great word, uh, wordsmith. Um, and in this book, she tells the story of the Great Migration, which is one of the greatest migration of people in this world. The Great Migration was the migration of over 6 million black Americans from the South, such as Florida, Georgia, and Louisiana, to the Northeast, like Newark and New York, the Midwest, like Chicago and Detroit, and to the West, like to California, looking for refuge from Jim Crow South between 1916 and 1970. So just to reiterate, 6 million Americans or people in America left their homes sometimes not even sure they can go back. Sometimes not even sure that they'll, they'll be able to get there to their destination alive. Similar to refugees, to escape death, to escape discrimination in their own country. Um, many were not able to complete this journey. As someone that was raised in a second-generation uh, black immigrant household, I had no clue that the depth of how this happened or that this was even a thing. Uh, this was not taught in my textbooks. I was I went to school in New York City. I went to school uh, in a public school, I, and I had no clue that this, in totality, this happened. Uh, I had no idea that it affected everything from American culture to music to food to politics. Uh, and my view of blackness just transcended and began to understand its strength and its power and why it was left to be feared and subjugated and even terminated. Um, and, and, and the same premise, why it needs to be protected. And, you know, I'm currently reading well, Wilkerson's latest book, which is Cast, where she examines the unspoken caste system that shaped America and shows us how our lives today are still defined by the hierarchy of human divisions. And she, once again, just pick it up. Pick up both books. So anyway, I continue reading more um, more authors, old and young, so my author, the autobiography of Malcolm X, to The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, to Dog Whistle Politics, How Coded Racial Appeals Have Reinvented Racism and Wrecked the Middle Class by Ian Hay Lopez. And let me tell you about that book. That book was actually written before 45 was elected, but literally, if you read the book, it predicted 
that he would get arrested. Wow. Once again, and this is kind of why I'm, I I start to get a lot. I became more interested in reading more because we are literally living through things that either happened before or could have been predicted if we became better students of history. So I absorbed the history and the stories of both old and new that was offered to me. Uh, the, my And my curiosity was being parsed, right? As I was reading, I learned a lot more about the history as it repeats itself or it tries to repeat itself. I mean, as I'm taping this, we're on the heels of the 100th anniversary of the uh, Tusca, Tulsa massacre of 1921, where, you know, mobs of white residents, many of them deputized and given weapons by city officials, almost seemed coordinated, attacked black residents and businesses in the Greenwood district of Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the U.S. The attack carried out on the ground and from private aircrafts above destroyed more than 35 square blocks of the district at the time the wealthiest black community in the united states known as black wall street more than 800 people were admitted to hospitals and as much as 6,000 black residents were interned in large facilities so there's there were internment camps related to this there were officially recorded 39 deaths based off of reports and based off death certificates now it is important for the history to be told and it's important for us to realize the importance to, to really reflect on how this happened, why this happened, and how it's repeating itself today. But it's also important to note that this was not the only Black Wall Street. This was There were plenty of massacres, not only in the South, but in the North, in the Midwest as well, that happened during this time, as well as up until the 1950s, with similar incidents, with similar racial animosities. And in, the, in, these, in this, these type of stories, these type of uh, events that aren't really ex- explored or told in our either schooling or our normal discourse that should be taught, that should be expressed, that should be learned and brought to the light so that we, one, start to heal from certain situations and start to learn how to to build from this instead of ignoring it and to put a bandaid over it and pretend it never happened. Ooh, don't get me started. All right, so... <laughs> Um, so whether we're talking about the treatment of black people, black and brown people in America, or we're talking about racism or sexism coming out or being embraced by the Republican Party or the swaths of voter restriction laws or the critical race theories being banned from being banned from being taught at schools. Yes, they are banning teaching certain things in certain conservative leaning states. Talk about cancel culture, right? Um, a lot of this, however, can be linked to something in the past. And this is why, for me, intellectual curiosity is important and wellness overall, intellectual wellness is important overall. It gives you the permission to start questioning things, reevaluating things, and really looking at something or asking something from a different perspective. And to look at the current environment or circumstance uh, with the new tools uh, to handle or brainstorm the solution. This curiosity can lead to finding the information or perspective that you didn't know that you had on your own. It could even come in the form of a fiction book or writing. It can come in the form of photography or painting or even passing down a story or tale from your ancestor. But in whatever form it comes in, it is very important. So with that, let's just jump into our next segment, segment, deep dive question. Okay, so for this segment, as you guys know, I will answer a question created by Obsidian. The prompt consists of two questions. The first will be a little lighter question, and then a question that will get us thinking. And then the second question will spark our interest, and we'll 
dive deeper and explore a deeper and more reflective question. These questions are for all of us, okay? So before we get into the questions, I'm going to wait for you to go and get a piece of paper, open up your note app, you know, do whatever you need to do. But I want you to take this time to either write it down or think about what this question is because you never know. You might not have even thought about thinking about this question. And I want you to spend this time to reflect. Don't wait till later because you know we all get busy. Life get life and then you don't have time. So use this time now to go get the app, go get the pen, go get the paper. All right, I'm waiting for you. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, ready? All right, let's go. Um, so today's deep dive questions are, what does creativity mean to you? All right, go for it. Okay, so to me, creativity is finding a medium to express yourself fully. It may come in the form of art. It may come in the form of everyday situations or trying to find new and innovative ways to solve a problem. Or, you know, as a situation arises. But, you know, I like to, I prefer to talk about the, the former, right? Not, not related to work and not related to problem solving, but just a way to express yourself in whatever feels true and right to you. And this is usually where healing and wellness actually come can come into fruition. All right. So you ready for go a little deeper? How do you add this to your regular routine? All right, go ahead. Okay, so a few years ago, for me, I would have thought this question was strange. I would have said I wasn't creative, and the extent of my creativity was like sipping paint. Um, I thought it was, you know, left for those that should be either that are painting or taking pictures. I thought it was for those that are the chefs, you know, the people that are doing some artsy shit. I thought it was like if you had a talent um, that you either weren't using or you don't have. But either way, I was like, this is not for me. It doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, I'm starting to realize that that's not how it works. Um, similar to meditation or wellness, it's an everyday practice to be creative. And everyone has their own form of creativity. You just have to tap into it and realize what it is. So for me, creativity shows up daily in the form of either journaling or writing. Um, I do puzzles. I do paintings. I do canvas paintings. Uh, I even, even doing this podcast is a creative outlet. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't mean you're going to be Picasso on day one. It doesn't mean you're about to sell your painting for thousands of dollars on this first day. It literally could be something small. It could be a doodle. It could be, you know, painting a mason jar, right? Um, even if you don't consider yourself creative, you are, right? That's just a mindset. Uh, you get to be creative. You get to show your creativity in whatever way feels true to you. You just have to tap into it and do it. One of the greatest tips that I ever heard for creativity is it just it's just like a muscle. 
similar to working out or going to the gym every day or how many times you go a week, uh, creativity is about doing it over and over again, right? So whether it's writing or drawing or, or taking pictures, if you are doing something create, creative every day, even if you're you're not in the mood to or you don't feel like it, just getting that muscle memory of just being able to do that pro- that process every day, you'll start to tap into that inspiration, right? You'll start to get into that muscle memory of being able to get that creativity out. Um, and you know, if you do some, if you do one piece every day, after a whole year, you're gonna have 365 pieces or things or pieces pieces of creativity. How many of them are gonna be bangers, right? Just even if you think about pr- probability wise, even if they're not all bangers, or even if there's only one or two or whatever, you still have done all through that year, learned some techniques, right? You've learned to be better. You have started. You learned discipline. So. Either way, it's a lesson learned, and you've gotten to, you've gotten better out of it. So, why not take that as it is? Try to be creative, creative every day, and whatever f- that feels true to you. And if you don't know what that means yet, if you don't know what feels true to you, just start trying everything. And I think that's what also led me to kind of have all these creative outlets. Right? I wasn't a master painter. I didn't, you know, I just decided to buy canvases one day, and I went on YouTube University and started playing around and got got busy. You know what I mean? Um, photography, similar thing. I took a photography class and decided to try it out, see if it's my thing. Um, and this goes for a lot of different outlets. I just try it. And if what's the worst that's going to happen? If I don't like it, I don't do it anymore. And if I like it, I could do it on the side or I could do it for fun. But a big piece of that is to realize that you do not. You do not. You do 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 do. You do not have to from there decide oh i want to monetize this oh i want to sell this that does not need to be a part of the wellness that does not need to be a part of the journey if that is not what you want this can be for you and for you to share to express yourself as i said all right so we set our affirmations we laid the groundwork we answered the questions we gathered um some more details, you know what I mean? So let's gather around and discuss how traveling changed and challenged my views and perspectives and piqued my intellectual curiosity. So I've always been, you know, pretty book smart. I had that down pack. Um, whether we, whether it's just the concept of memorizing or taking an exam, which, by the way, I hate, hate, hate standardized tests. Those are the devil. They always take my ass, and clearly there's nothing about me that's standard, <laughs> right? Because... They were just not for me. They, it just, it, we didn't take, we, 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 it was, we weren't, we didn't go together. Um, but, you know, while studying all of my life or most of my life, I've often felt like I didn't get the opportunity to live what I studied, right? I didn't have time. I didn't get to apply it. Um, I didn't get time to experience it. Uh, I didn't even get to study abroad because of the way my accounting coursework was. So as a child, almost every su- summer, my family would go back to Jamaica, and we'd visit the land of my parents. It would be me, my mom, um, my dad didn't really go, but my siblings, and if and my nieces and nephews. And if you ever traveled to Jamaica with uh, with actual Jamaicans, let me tell you, it's an experience. It is. It it's it's not. And I'm not talking about sandals and the resorts, Jamaica. I mean, packing barrels with items to bring family, right? Packing TV, microwave, spam, tuna, oatmeal. You know what I mean? Packing the barrel, having to stand on the barrel so we can get more things in there. I remember that job. 
um, I rem- like bringing extra suitcates in my name. And I'm, mind you, I'm like three or four, having an extra suitcase in my name so we could do breadfruit and, and ackee and sawfish and patties and herbs and regal crackers and that kind of traveling. I don't know if I should be saying this out loud, but whatever. We'll figure this out later. Um, going back to Jamaica was, you know, a part-time vacation, but it was also like a part-time family reunion, part-time work, part-time chore. So whenever I was younger, I was like, I knew that it wasn't just going to be about traveling. It was, it was, there was, there was a lot, there was a lot that to unpack related to that. So once we touched down to Jamaica, there were people we had to see. There were markets we had to go to, especially my mom who loved to haggle like for hours. Um, and there were things that we had to get done before we left. So it was a mission. It was literally like a mission. Um, so all that to say, traveling was an interesting and also in some ways triggering expense or ex- a triggering an event um, when I was younger. Uh, but other than this experience, my family didn't really travel that often or anywhere else. So in college, I was able to go to the Dominican Republic. I went to Jamaica again with friends and Costa Rica, all with college friends. And, you know, it was a fun time. But I think this is also my first time traveling without family. So that was an experience. A lot of dancing, drinking, turning up, you know, all the the things. Um, But there were also vacations on resorts, which I think is important to note. Uh, This was my first my so my first real full travel experience would have been my Europe Europe trip. Mm, yeah, it would be my Europe trip with my two close friends in college in 2011, shortly after I passed my CPA, right? So you'll actually be hearing from one of my good friends, one of them, Kayla, in a few weeks. So I'm excited for you to hear that. Stay tuned. Anyway, our trip was four countries through Madrid, Spain, Paris, France, Amsterdam, the Netherlands, and Rome, Italy. It was an amazing experience full of like cultural immersion, baguettes and pate, um, box wine and ham or jabon, uh, uh, a plane, my pl- a plane getting hit with lightning, right, which laid our trip, being in Amsterdam for 420 and realizing that 420 only matters to Americans, apparently, uh, being in the Vatican and hearing the Pope give his sermon on Easter, which was amazing to be in, although I don't think it was in English, I didn't understand a lot of it, but it was just amazing to see and be with all the countries and people listening. We took planes, we took buses, we took trains, we bounced between hostels and hotels, and we just saw the countries and their beauties and their flaws, i.e. Paris is dirty, but you ain't hear that from me. That, that's, that's the one thing I'm like, I don't, anyway, well, I'll say that for another time. Um, it's still the city of love. It's still cute and all and everything. It's still lovely. Uh, so we met new people uh, in every place that we went to. I discovered, you know, how much I admired architecture when I was there, just looking at the churches in Rome. And I knew that I I knew that I shifted from this experience and I needed to travel more and to continue to learn more. So, you know, I continued traveling, continued learning. Uh, and my next leap of travel was my first solo trip. And I planned a three country trip to Dubai, uh, UAE to visit friends, Istanbul, Turkey and Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, when I tell y'all I was nervous, bruh, this is like the first time I traveled alone. This is like the first time I did anything alone, like by myself, like as an adult. So this is like when I'm peak adulting or baby adulting, whatever you want to call it. Um, so this is my first time like doing something big by myself. Whoo, I was actually like getting, I remember getting to the airport and the desk, the desk attendant grilled me about my flights because I basically booked four one-way flights because um, it was cheaper. But, you know, looking back, it does look sus, right? They were like, oh, when are you going to come back? Why are you doing this? Yada, yada, yada. So it did look sus, especially the countries had nothing to do with each other. But 
I paid it, so mind your business and let me off, right? Um, but you know, once again, it was an amazing trip. It was, it was. I got to experience three different countries by myself. I was able to learn a lot about myself as well, and what I liked about traveling, and what I loved about myself. Honestly, uh, I think from this point, I made sure that I did one solo trip a year, just so that I was able to discover, you know, what's possible for me as someone that considers themselves to, as an introvert. And to be able to step outside my comfort zone and to meet new people and to and create these those bonds um, and also have that time to relax. Right. Like I think there's a lot of times when we go on trips with other people and we lose the the perception or the the fact that. We pay money for this trip, too. You get to enjoy it the way you get to enjoy it. You shouldn't have to compromise every time I, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm going to this trip and I am have to go out every night because that's the way the person that, that did the itinerary um, planned it. I, 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 you just remember you paid for the trip as well. So if that means you need to skip a whole day to take some rest because you want to rest by the beach, that's fine, right? But that's where you get to have a conversation about vetting your friends. Like I have, you know who you can travel with who you don't. But if you don't, you'll you'll start to learn the things that you need and want from people to travel with. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so yeah, I just had an amazing, tri- amazing trip, uh, visiting those three countries that were majority not white. Right. And I was just experiencing natural, a national perspective or a global perspective, um, where America was not the main purview. Uh, it was just really interesting. And also just to know, if you don't know, Japan is like the king or queen of snacks. I swear I gained like mad weight, um, just from like the 30 Kit Kat flavors. And you know, I tried them all. They were just, they, they, and they have chips and all flavor. It's amazing. Anyway, um, so I could spend hours talking about travel, clearly, and the snack. Uh, but, and I'm sure I'll bring it up more in the future episodes, but one of the more impactful, and I'll leave it at that, but one of the most impactful travels was my first trip to Africa, and that was going to Johannesburg and Cape Town, South Africa. And, you know, going to Africa the first time, it was a super big deal. Even if I didn't really acknowledge it, it was super big. Um, my body felt it and knew it. Uh, this was also, it triggered me, um, or it triggered an urge for me to discover and learn more about my blackness, to be more intentional, kind of like I mentioned above about the book. I remember going to a market with my friend, our niece, and the owner of the shop was like, my brother, welcome back, welcome back home, your home to your motherland. And, you know, let's, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> I knew he was trying to gas me. I knew he wanted my coins because he wanted me to buy some of his trinkets which I think I ended up doing anyway, but he was right, right? Like I started tearing up on the spot. Like this did feel like a motherland. It did feel like home and being there, just being on the soil and the roots on my feet and just, it felt like an ancestral land. Um, subsequently, you know, I have been to some other African countries, including Ghana and, you know, that feeling never stops for me. It, it's continuous. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Just to be in, immersed in the culture, to be learning about the history and the culture of the Native people, of your Native people, um, to see their love and joy, in which is different from the, the stereotypes and the media depictions, right? To learn these lessons and experiences in which, you know, it really changed my worldview. And it, it made me want to also bring it back and teach others about it, right? To be proud of where you came from and to be proud of the 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 beginning period, um, which is Africa. 
Um, so anyway, I I think I say all that to say it's these travel experiences that really give you a better worldview and it, it helps you challenge some of your own perspectives, especially if you're in a more limited or closed-minded area or space or family or community. You start to question of things that you might have been taught or believed or told to believe, and start start to figure out where where you can change those things and how you can change the perspective of others in your in your community or your town. Um, I do know that travel can be expensive, so I I think that has to be acknowledged off the bat. Um, but I do consider it an investment and a vacation. But I think it's also important to note that travel doesn't just mean international travel with a first class and champagne caviar. You know what I mean? That's that's not the only thing travel is. Travel for the purpose of intellectual wellness could mean just going around the country. It could mean just going around your city. Or it could just mean just being more immersed in the culture of where you are living at. Whether it's your community run events or uh, what's going on in your neighborhood. Learning about different parts of your home and different people or different voices from your home can have a similar effect of traveling. Um, it's just the aspect of learning and experiencing others that are different, and I think that's important. So with that, we welcome the last segment of every episode with the action and accountability prompt. We set the groundwork. We got the intentions. We did a deep reflection and visualization. So now it's time to get to action. Let's see how we can improve our overall wellness one day at a time. So today's action prompt is read at least 10 pages of a new book. Try to find a book that's from a different perspective or different voice that you may not readily identify with. That's it. So with that, let's wrap things up. I have to go take care of myself. Thank you again for tuning in. It's been a blast again. As I say, I'm big on collectivism, so please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Please, please, please rate and review. Um, it's super helpful to getting other people to listen and to grow our community. Feel free to share with your friends, your mama, your baby mama, your mama, mama. Everyone gets to get this work and get a gem or two. And also feel free to follow me on my personal IG, show the wellness curator, and the podcast IG, Obsidian Mindset. So lastly, let me just tell you that this is not a one-man show. You might hear me, but there goes a lot. There's a lot that goes into this. Um, so let me just give a few shout-outs. Uh, special shout-out to Makita, a.k.a. Ma'at, who has definitely been helping with the intro and outro, as well as Akron House Studios, who helped with the additional audio support. Um, Beats are Fuego, Hot Fire. Shout-out to Dima, who has been very dope with the, the podcast illustration, creating them shout outs to the sunday house sunday group who's been helping with branding and strategy and advising and definitely shout outs to my larger obsidian team i appreciate 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 you guys and for everyone that's listening and they're part of the community i want to just say thank you thank you for tuning in thank you for being with me through this journey and once again i say this is an honor thank you for picking me today all right y'all peace out